Hey everybody, this is Pastor Court Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. And it came to pass in the month, Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, I don't know that word, I'll try my best to say it right, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, listen, I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Why? Why shouldn't I be sad when the place of my fathers is burned to the ground? Why shouldn't I be sad when the place of my fathers lies in waste? This morning, if you'll allow me for a few moments, I want to preach you on this subject. The place of my fathers. The place of my fathers. Let's pray right now. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fathers that stand in this room today and I pray that you allow me to preach to them the word of God and to help and to grow and to mature. God, I pray today that we will not only be hearers of the word but doers of the word also and we'll be so careful to give you praise and glory. And the church said in Jesus' name, amen and amen and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The place of my father's. One thing that I notice about the book of Nehemiah, and I'll, I'll give you a quick example here of this moment. The Lord, as, as I read this story this week, and I, I kind of just read the whole story from beginning to end, trying to put in my mind what the Lord would have me say. I knew several, several months ago that I would preach uh, from, this, from this story on Father's Day. The Lord kind of gave me a, a, a small word through this, but... As I read the story, there's something that really sticks out for me. And here's what really sticks out for me is that God called Noah. Like Noah found grace in the sight of God and God called him. God spoke to him. God came to Noah and said, hey, I want you to build me a boat. God uh, saw that Abraham was a good man and that Abraham loved the Lord. And so he came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, leave your, your, your place and, and go follow me and wherever you go, I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, God spoke to Isaac. God spoke to Jacob, called, called Isaac, called Jacob. God, God speaks to Samuel as an as a 11, 12-year-old boy and he, he calls unto Samuel as he sleeps and Samuel thinks it's Eli the prophet but it turns out to be God and Eli says, you say Say the, the next time it happens, just say, here I am, Lord, I, I'm available, I'm your servant. And so all throughout the Bible, we see this. David, David has no um, 
prerequisite, you know, filament that made him somebody great. He was just from the house of Jesse. He comes in, they anoint him with oil to be king over Israel. All of these moments, you know, Ruth is spoken to by, by God. Um, every story in the Old Testament kind of has this theme that, that God speaks. God, God speaks to Solomon and says, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want. Whatever you want, you can have it. And Solomon says, I just want to be wise. I want to have wisdom. And the Lord said, you know, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom, I'll, I'll give you everything. I'll give you the whole kit and the caboodle to go with it. Just because you just, you know, God is speaking to all of these people. From the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the Old Testament, we see a common theme that God speaks to people. God speaks to Moses. He finds Moses on the backside of the desert. Moses is watching sheep. He literally causes a bush to burn but not be burned so he can get Moses' attention. This is a theme of God in the Old Testament. He calls out to people. He speaks to Jonah. He speaks to Jeremiah. He, he, he talks to the kings. He speaks to ungodly kings, and he speaks to godly kings. He talks to Daniel. He shows Daniel visions. Every person in the Old Testament that had this great move of God and work in their life, God called them. It was a, it was a call. God spoke to them. God, the angel of the Lord comes down to Gideon. I mean, Gideon's just on the threshing floor, you know, doing his thing, and God comes down to him and, and it sends him an angel and says, you're the guy. I mean, everybody has this moment except Nehemiah. There's no place in the book of Nehemiah that God talks to him from beginning to end. You know why Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem? Because in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, if you read th this book, and, and I would encourage you to, to go read the book of Nehemiah. In chapter 1, Nehemiah sees some of his brethren, and he asks them, he says, hey, how's Jerusalem doing? Nehemiah, who is the cupbearer for the king, sees some of his brethren from Jerusalem, some, the, the, the remnant, and, and, and they say, he says, hey, how's Jerusalem going? And you read it in Nehemiah chapter 1 in verse 3, they said unto me, the remnant that are left in the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass that when I heard, this is Nehemiah writing, he said, when it came to pass, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear be attentive. And the whole rest of chapter one is Nehemiah praying to God. He's saying, God, help me. He said, I remember, he said, I remember I beseech thee the word that you commanded unto the servant Moses, saying, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence. I will bring them into the place I've chosen to set my name thereof. Now, these are thy servants. These are your people whom thou hast redeemed by the great power and by thy strong hand, Lord. I beseech thee, verse 11, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was 
the king's cupbearer. Here's what I want to say about this moment because this is not God's modus operandi. God calls people. Nehemiah didn't have a moment when God came down and said, Nehemiah, you're my guy. You're going to build the wall. That's not what happened. Nehemiah heard through the grapevine that Jerusalem was tore down and it vexed him so that he said, I got to do whatever I got to do to go build that wall. The next chapter, Nehemiah is sad. It's in his days of mourning and weeping and lamentation. And he's sad. And the king says, why are you sad? He says, why wouldn't I be sad when the place of my fathers is no longer there? The place of my fathers is tore down. The place of my fathers is in shambles. The Bible said, he said, it lieth in waste. And he says, king, would you please let your servant go build the wall? Would you let me go back and build the wall? Would you let me go reestablish the place of my fathers? Would you let me go build the gates? Would you let me? And the king says, yes, I'll let you go. There was never a call. There was just a cause. Listen, you don't need a call if there's a cause. Can I speak to every father in this room today? Whether you feel called or whether you don't feel called, your family is cause enough. I'm preaching to fathers today, so if you fit, if you get in, fit in. If the shoe fits, slip it on. But I'm preaching to fathers today. Listen, dads, you don't need a call from God. You don't need God to come down and touch you like he touched Abraham and Moses, and Noah, and Isaac, and Jacob, and everybody else in the Old Testament, except Nehemiah. Nehemiah proves to us, I don't need a priest, I don't need a prophet, I don't need anointing, I don't need, nobody put oil on my head, nobody touched me with a magic wand, I just saw that there was a cause, because the wall had been torn down, and I got myself together, and I said, Lord, make me available to go build the wall, and God touched the king's heart, and gave Nehemiah the permission to go build the wall. You don't need a call if there's a cause. Thank you for your three claps and your two amens. But I come to preach to some fathers today. You've been waiting on God to tell you something. You've been waiting on God to do something good for you. You've been waiting on God to call you into some kind of ministry. You've been waiting on God to touch you. You've been waiting on some kind of anointing oil. And I come to tell you that when it comes to your family, you don't need a call. You don't need oil. You don't need a prophet. You don't need a priest. You don't need a word. You don't need a dream. You don't need a vision. Can I... You don't need nobody to tell you nothing. I'm telling you enough right now. The walls of your family are in disarray and you don't need a call. All you need is a cause to say, hey, listen, I don't feel no power. I don't feel no anointing. I don't feel any kind of, of, of goosebumps. I feel no kind of abracadabra could do, but I do see that the walls of my family are in disarray and I'm going to reset and I'm going to restart and I'm going to rebuild the place of my father's. 
Hallelujah. It gets me excited. This story gets me excited because Nehemiah reestablished the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah reestablished the gates against the enemy. Nehemiah went and he built it. And I'm going to talk about him building it in just a minute. Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem and he rebuilt the place of his fathers. He built that wall again. He put it together brick by brick. But he did not go with anointing. He did not go with a call. He didn't even go with a word from God. He just saw that it was messed up and he said I'm going to fix it can I preach to some fathers in here that have been waiting around for the pastor to tell you something you've been waiting around for the prophet to give you a word you've been waiting around till you feel something in the Holy Ghost waiting around till you feel something in the spirit can I tell you you don't need to feel anything you don't have to feel anything to pray. You don't have to feel anything to preach. You don't have to feel anything to fast. You don't have to feel anything to say, hey, family, get together. We pray in the night. You don't have to feel anything. You don't have to come to me and say, I've I'm, I'm just been wondering what my ministry is. I'll tell you what your ministry is. Your ministry is those kids and your wife. That's your ministry. I figure somebody be running owls by now. But let me preach on a little bit further. Hey, Noah, I want you to build a boat. Yes, sir, build a boat. I want you to build me an ark because the, the rain's coming and I'm going to destroy the world. And so I want you to build an ark that's going to save the world. And so Noah's building an ark and he's thinking about his neighbors. He's building an ark and he's thinking about his friends and he's building an ark and he's thinking about his aunts and his uncles and his cousins. And he's thinking about everybody else. But what he did not know, you know, when Noah started building the ark, he didn't even have children. Do the, go back in the Old Testament and do the math. When Noah started building the ark, he didn't even have kids. But the kids came and they still built the ark. And the kids grew up and he still built the ark. And Ham, Sham, and Japheth, they all helped him build the ark. They grew up helping him build the ark. What Noah didn't realize is, listen, I didn't call you to reach all these people out here. I called you to save these three boys. Oh, hallelujah. If I reach the city of Loganville but lose my children, what have I done? If I reach your family but lose my family, what have I done? I don't have to have some kind of, I had to have a call from God to come to this city. I needed an anointing to come to this city. But I didn't need a call from God to rebuild the walls of my fathers. I didn't need an anointing to save my children and to save my family. I didn't need some magical moment to, to say, you know what, God, I need to pray in my house. I need to get my Bible out. You don't need a magical moment. I don't need what Noah got. I don't need what Moses got. I don't need what Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and Samuel and Isaiah and Jonah. I don't need what they had. All I need is to realize that the walls of my house are in disarray. Can I preach to some dads here? The walls of your house are falling down, sir. I don't know if you see it. I don't know if you realize it, but the walls of your house have fallen down. The gates of the city have been burned up and the enemy can come in whenever it wants to. The enemy has free reign in your home. That's why you stay in trouble. The enemy has free reign with your children. That's why your children are broken and depressed and they don't know what to do. The enemy has free reign in your house. And all I'm asking you to do is not be a superhuman and not have some kind of super anointing. What I'm asking you to do is just go home and say, listen, guys, we're going to rebuild the walls of this house step by step. And brick by brick. Oh, did you get an anointing? Absolutely not. 
there's just a cause. Did you get a call? No, I didn't get a call, but there's a cause. Did God touch you today? I didn't even feel God today, but there's a cause. My family needs a wall around the house. Let's rebuild the wall. Let's rebuild the place of our fathers. Oh, hallelujah. See, the wall of Jerusalem was renowned. The wall of, the wall of Jerusalem was stuff of legend. The wall of Jerusalem, the enemy understood that the wall of Jerusalem is impenetrable. And if the wall was there, no one would even touch it. Someone sent me an article just the other day. I believe it was my cousin Elizabeth. She said, oh, have you read this article? She sent me an, an, an article, and uh, it was from the fight going on right now in Israel, right, right now today in Israel and Hamas. You know, they're, they're always fighting each other. And the, uh, some of the Hamas people were talking to this reporter, and they, they said, they're quoted as saying, we don't know what to do because their God changes the direction of our missiles in the air. Their quote is saying, they said, we don't, we're, we're angry because their God, we fire the missile and we watch their God change the direction of our missiles. And we don't know what to do because their God, listen, when you got God on your side and you got a wall built, God will change the direction of the enemy's attack. When the wall is built, God will put protection there. When the wall is built, God will put a hedge. If you build a wall, God said, I'll build a wall. If you build your wall, I'll build my wall. And when I get done building my wall, the enemy will have no chance. The enemy will have no opportunity. If you build it, I'll build it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you through the word of God. The Bible says that Job was a good man and upright and just. And he prayed every day and he prayed every night. And he offered sacrifices for his children every day. And he offered sacrifices for his children every night. That was Job's wall. That was Job's protection was his prayer and his supplication and his sacrifice. And the, and the enemy came and, and it, all the sons of God met. And God said to Satan, said, hey, what? Where you been, son? He said, man, I've been roaming the earth seeking whom I may devour. I've been seeing what I can get my foot into. I've been seeing what kind of problems I can, I, I can you know, put together. I've been seeing who I can mess with. And God said, well, have you considered my servant, Job? He said, considered him? I tried, to, I tried to attack him all the time. He said, but you put up a wall around him. You put up a wall, and I can't touch him. You got a hedge around him. And every time I get close, I get electrocuted. So I quit getting close. But it's, it's a problem because you, you got a wall up. And God said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take the wall down. I'll let you touch him. Tell me what he does. He said, oh, he's going to curse you. He, I promise you, when I get done with him, he's going to curse you. I said, okay, take the wall down. So God took the wall down, and he met Satan a few months later, and Satan was still tired. He said, what's, what, what's going on? He said, I've been down there trying to mess with Job. He said, what'd you do? Well, I, I took all of his cattle. I burned all of his storehouses down and I killed all of his kids and I gave him boils and I turned his wife against him. He said, what did he do? What, he praised you. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came and naked I shall return. I shall yet praise him. He said, yeah, because I didn't realize that you built a wall, but Job had his own wall. 
The reason that God put a hedge around Job is because Job had a hedge around Job. You can't be wondering why God's not protecting your family when you're not protecting your family. Can I preach to some men today? You can't be wondering why God isn't stepping in and protecting your children when you won't even protect your children. If you will build a wall, God said, I'll build my own wall. And you can build a wall out of stone and earth, but I'll build a wall out of every principality in the world. I'll put Apache helicopters over your house if you'll build the wall. And can I remind you, Nehemiah is doing all this without a call. <laughs> He's doing all this. He ain't even got no ministerial license. Come on, somebody. Job, Job's doing all this. He ain't, he ain't even got a membership to the country club, so to speak. He, Nehemiah is doing all this work. Nehemiah has all this passion. He has all this desire to rebuild the place of his fathers. And he has no touch. He has no anointing all on him. He's just fired up. I can't believe it. I wonder what would happen in our homes if some dads got fired up. I wonder what would happen in our homes if some dads got so mad you took some cell phones and deleted some apps. I wonder what happened in our homes if our dads took back control and said, no, 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 we're not, listen, turn that off. We're not, no, no, no sir, no ma'am. It's going to get real quiet in here with the teenagers for a moment. And even some of y'all men are going to get a little discouraged because you don't want to cause no ripples in your family. But let me tell you, the enemy doesn't want you to do this. But there, there, there's got to be some fathers that say, hey, listen, I don't need an anointing. I don't need nobody to talk to me. But we will have order in this home. We will not be just letting the enemy come in whenever he wants to. We're not watching that in here. We're not doing that in here. I know, I know Sally and them down the street do that, but we don't do that in this home. get quiet in the house it's okay because I'm here to preach the word I'm here to preach I'm not here to I'm not here to teach life lessons I'm here to preach and there needs to be some stones put in place <laughs> in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 15 through 19 the Bible says that Nehemiah went up in the night by the brook and he viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews or to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest of them that did the work. I hadn't even told them what I was going to do yet. I went and viewed it before I told anybody. Stop telling people what you're going to do before you do it. Just do it. Stop bragging about what you're about to do. Just do it. Let us see the results. He said, I went, I didn't tell nobody. Then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them, I told him of the hand of God which was good upon me as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Somebody shout good work. Hallelujah. 
I, I promise you, fathers, uh, if you'll sit your family down and you'll say, hey, listen, there's some things that are going on that don't need to go on. There's some stuff happening in this home that, that, that I don't like, and, and I want y'all to help me rebuild the walls. Uh, if, if, if you'll talk to them like that, I promise you, they, they might all agree, but they may say, hey, listen, we'll join with you. We'll, we'll join with you. We'll strengthen our hands for this good work. Watch verse 19. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? I come to tell every father sitting in this room that if you try to rebuild the walls in your home, the enemy will not like it. Some of y'all don't even like it right now. I ain't even through with the message, so you can analyze it yet. You already heard the beginning of the message, and you're already upset. Because you think I'm trying to tell you how to be a man. I'm not. I'm reminding you that unless a Nehemiah steps up, there will be no walls. Unless somebody steps up and says, hey, we're not going to let this happen. Well, no, no, no. Then, then, then there will be no, the enemy will destroy every wall in your home. Watch Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass that from that time forth that the half of my service wrought in the work and the other half of them stood and held both spears and shields and bows and harbingers and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. He said, when I, when I saw that the enemy was coming, when I heard the enemy was coming, I put half the men to work and I put half the men to watch. Well, the Bible said when it meant watch and pray. <laughs> Whoo. And watch, watch verse 17. They which build it on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that, that laid it, everyone with one of his hands wrought the work and the other hand held a weapon. <laughs> Every household needs a fix-it Felix and a wreck-it Ralph. Every home needs a man who's willing to have a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. Fathers, I encourage you today. Go home and pick up a hammer, but don't forget to pick up a sword. And say, with one hand, I'm going to work. With one hand, I'm going to put things together. With one hand, I'm going to make it like it is. But with another hand, I'm going to be ready for the enemy that I know is coming for my family. He's coming for my marriage. He's coming for my children. Do you know the first thing the enemy attacked in the Bible was a marriage? The devil never spoke to Adam when he was alone. He only spoke to his wife when there were two of them. The first thing he hated was the union of a man and a woman. And if you think that the devil doesn't hate your marriage, then you've lost your mind. That's why the divorce rate is over 70% in this country right now. Because the greatest attack in the world today is the attack against the home. Because if you got weak homes, then you got weak churches. 
And if you got weak homes, you got weak children. And if you have weak homes, then you have weak generations. And we are seeing it right now. We are seeing the product of the wall that's been torn down for years and years and years. And all I'm asking today, is there a Nehemiah among us who won't need a word, who don't need anointing, who don't need a... A license in their wallet that'll say in the name of Jesus I'm going to pick up my hammer and rebuild this wall and I'm going to pick up my sword and I'm going to fight the enemy on every corner is there a father that'll say hey I don't care what the world does I don't care what your friends down the street are doing I don't care what your teacher at school said I'm telling you thus saith the word of God we're going to pray in this house we're going to have respect in this home enemy will attack you well I want to bring you one more point and I'm going to be done Nehemiah chapter 6 beginning in verse 1 the Bible says now it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall the wall's built now and I'm rebuilding the wall and that there was no breach left therein though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates and Sambalat and Geshem sent unto me saying come let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Because if the enemy knows, listen to me fathers, if the enemy knows he can't destroy you, he'll just try to distract you. The enemy knows he can't attack you, he can't beat you. You got walls built. You're in the process of putting up gates and getting it finished up. And the enemy sees, okay, we couldn't beat them. We couldn't whoop them. Let's just, let's pretend that we're buddies now and see if we can go eat lunch together. And the enemy called out to him, said, hey, come, just come talk, just come talk to us. And Nehemiah said, no. Nah. Why should the work cease while I go down and talk to you? See, one of the greatest issues that we have today, fathers, is not that we are under attack. It's that we're under distraction. Most of our homes, there's not been an arrow fired. There's not been a fire started. There's not been a battering ram approaching us. We just got so caught up in our careers that we forgot we had children. We were trying to provide monetary wealth that we forgot that we should have provided spiritual wealth. We wanted to make sure that they had Playstations and Jordans and iPhones, but we didn't care about the word being hidden in their heart. Most fathers today are just distracted. More distracted with their phones than their kids are. 
Fathers that play video games till 2, 3 in the morning. The enemy ain't even worried about attacking you because you're too busy down in the valley just hanging out. Walking away from responsibility, not because that you're under attack, just because you're just busy. See, the enemy is, is wise. Sometimes he doesn't come at you head on. Sometimes he just comes around the back way and he presents himself as career and position and power and money and You know. And you wonder why your your family struggles to make it to church. You wonder why your children have no interest in the things of God. You wonder why your sons and your daughters never go to the altar, don't care to. You wonder why your family is easily convinced to not be in church. And the things of God are never talked about in your home. And the word of God is never spoken of around your dinner table. Just distracted. Just, you know what? I'll come off the wall. You know, the wall's good. I'll come off the wall and I'll just relax. But Nehemiah knew they meant to do me mischief. They knew. They meant to do me mischief. Nehemiah knew that this isn't just a way to, just for me to relax and, and take a day off. These guys mean to do me mischief. And they know if I can, they can turn my attention away from the wall, the place of my fathers. They know if I can take, they can take my attention away, then they can move in. They can move in. It's the Trojan horse of our time. It's not direct destruction. It's direct distraction we're distracted we're caught up fathers hear me today we're caught up myself included I'm a father today too and you know me I never preach a message to you that I haven't already preached to myself we gotta turn off the distractions look our kids in the eyeballs Pray with them. Pray for them. Talk to them about the word of God. Ask them, hey, what do you think about what pastor preached today? What are you going to do with your life? Do you feel the call of God on your life? Are you going to youth camp? Are you going to youth retreat? Or am I taking you to prayer tonight? Are you going to youth service on a Wednesday night? What's the youth doing? Are you, are you involved? Are you connected? 
Are you doing something? But we'll get distracted so quickly. All those things fall through the cracks. But dad, today, you don't need a call. You just need a cause. And the cause is probably sitting on that row the same as you. And there's some dads in here that are your brand new fathers. You're brand new. And I want to encourage you, don't become too distracted that you can't love on them babies. and raise, They're small, but, but, but they're watching. And there's some dads in here, there's some uh, about-to-be dads. Your baby's still in the belly, but you're about to be a dad. And you need to understand that that woman is now a part of the city. And she needs walls around her too. And you're the priest of the home. If you're making her be the prayer warrior, you're wrong. You are the priest of the home. When God looks at that house, he don't look at her. He looks at you. That's Bible. Nobody needs to get mad with me. I'm not not an anti-feminist or whatever. I'm just telling you, when God looks at that family, that man is the head of the home. Father, you are the head of the home, whether you want to be or not. And you are leading that home. And you're leading it bad or you're leading it good, but you're leading it, sir. You're leading it. You're leading it to prosperity or you're leading it to trouble, but you're leading it. You are leading your home. that cell phone out of your hand and pick up a hammer and a sword and say baby I'm fixing Felix I'll fix it but I'm also Wreck-It Ralph I will tear this house apart to make sure we're doing what God wants us to do and not what man has provided I'd like you to stand with me today And I'd like every father that would, every father that would, every father that would. If you want to stay where you are, that's fine. But every father that would, would you just come down to the altar? Every father that would, would you come down to the altar? And just stand. I want to pray for you today. Before we leave, and we're going to dismiss here in just a moment. But but before we leave, I I want to pray for every father. Come on down. Don't worry about that camera. Come on down. You just block it. Father, if you would, come. I want to pray over you today. I want to encourage you today. This culture has tried to put us in a box. This culture today has tried to put us in a box. Men, fathers, They tried to make us the idiots on the TV shows and the dunces that don't know what they're doing. They they tried to make us the problem. Dads, fathers, men. They tried to steal our voice through politics. and They tried to steal our voice through pop culture. They tried to steal our power. Tell us that we don't know, that the government knows better than we know how to raise our kids, what rules to put in place. 
how to manage our lives. That's the world. I ain't worried about them. That's Senballot and Tobias. That's the enemy who wants to mess up our plans. They're not, they're not happy that we want to be men. They're not happy that we want to be established. They're not happy that we want to have rules and regulations in our homes. They're not happy. So they attack us. Attack us. And if they can't attack you directly, they'll just distract you. Get you offline. This culture tried to paint us in a box and tell us who we are. Can I tell you the devil's a liar? You're not those things. You are what God said you are. And God said you're the priest of your home. That's what God said you are. God said you're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. If God didn't want you to have children, he wouldn't have let you have them. But if you are standing here today and you have sons and daughters, then God saw fit to put those children under your protection. He thought enough of you to say you can do it. He thought enough of you. He thought enough of you to think you could be great at it. So don't take it lightly. And don't take it for granted. But do what Nehemiah did. And say, Lord, I don't, I don't really hear no, no great sounding alarm. I don't really feel no anointing oil poured over my head. I really don't know if I even heard a word for you. But Nehemiah said, Lord, will you strengthen my hand for the work? Nehemiah said, Lord, will you strengthen my hand for the work? I don't, I don't feel no, no great touch of the Spirit. But Lord, would you strengthen my hand for the work? And that's what I'm going to pray over every father here today. That God will strengthen your hand for the work. To rebuild the place of your fathers. To rebuild the wall around your family. Men, would you pray with me? God, I pray for every father standing. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.